This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Recently, Lego announced that it was cutting about 8% of its workforce or about 1,400 jobs. The news came as recent earnings showed a decline in revenue for the first time in 13 years. So as the current CEO mentioned, they need to hit the reset button. Our friend Dave Robertson joins us. He is a senior lecturer at MIT as well as a lecturer here at the Wharton School. You also hear Dave as the host of Innovation Navigation. I'll hear it here on Sirius XM 111 every Tuesday morning. Great to see you. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. So did the announcement surprise you? It did, yeah. I had heard from my sources that um, the the slow growth last year was partly driven by uh, a uh, uh, constrained uh, production, right? It was supply, not demand driven. Okay. But I think the problems were worse uh, than that. Um, that uh, what I had heard is is that uh, they couldn't make enough Lego um, to to grow sales, and so they'd cut back on marketing. And uh, because of that, uh, sales uh, weren't very sales growth wasn't very good last year. Um, but uh, what I'm hearing now, and and that was due to the Chinese factory. But what I'm hearing now is that uh, the problems went deeper than that. So, w- what is your expectation for what's happening here? I mean, I mean, they're in the process of switching CEOs, so that's a little bit of a transition period as well. Yeah, and switching CEOs twice in a year. Yeah, twice, yeah. Yeah, so um, I should say, first of all, um, I wandered around the world of Lego for five years, from about 2007 to 2012. But when I came to Wharton um, before, I was the Lego professor at IMD in Switzerland, uh, which is where the chairman of the board got his MBA back in the 70s. So I had a special relationship with the company and still have friends there. But when I came to Wharton, I lost many of my contacts there. So I have no inside knowledge. I'm not talking about anything. I'm not revealing any sure. confidences when I talk about this. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, if I, I'll say a couple things. I mean, let, let's kind of establish the base here, that Lego's revenues between 2007 and 2014 quintupled. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that they had a pretty good run of it, and then it's been pretty flat since then, right? They're up 5% last year, and then they're down 5% in the first six months of this year. And so, you know, we may just be seeing the end of a great run. Okay. Um, that uh, part of it is that there's only so many linear feet of shelf space in the toy stores <laughs> around the world. Right. And as they're looking for the next big thing, um, I think what we're seeing is uh, they've they've struggled to find that. They have made an effort the last handful of years to really associate themselves with a variety of brands, uh, linking themselves up with Star Wars and the Disney princesses and and that chain. And that obviously gave them a, a, a measure of added success because of that. But those types of partnerships, when you're talking about a, a, a thing like Lego, are, do you think long term they can continue to build those partnerships out and, and be successful? Or are there other elements that they need to, to focus on as well? Well, those partnerships, have, I think, have helped them a great deal. Lego Batman, of course, yeah. uh, there was the movie, which didn't do as well as the Lego movie back in 2014, but did pretty well. And the toys did pretty well. Um, but I think uh, a lot of their... Uh, later growth has been due to their internal properties. They had Lego Friends, the mm-hmm. girly set with the pink and lavender yeah. bricks, yeah. and they had Ninjago, which uh, the movie just came out. Uh, or is it just coming out? I haven't tracked. I it's know. out in September. Okay. But, uh, um, that is their own property that they developed back in 2011. And right. those properties have been huge for them um, And because they get to keep the revenues. They, they don't have to pay somebody else for the intellectual property. And so they've had 
good luck with these playthings, right? The core business of Lego, I think, is is continuing to do pretty well. Right. Um, it's more kind of what do you do from there? Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Love to hear from some of you about Lego. I will say this on my personal experience. My son, Hutch, eight years old, Every time we go into a store, a toy store of some kind, invariably he goes right for the Legos because he's a big Star Wars fan. So, you know, I don't know necessarily if it's the Star Wars part that he loves so much or it's the Lego part that he loves so much. But for Lego as a company, they have to capitalize on that to be able to build out those other properties, as you said, they're having success with. Yeah. And, you know, let's take a step back here, by the way, um, that... uh this is still a pretty good business, yeah. right? I mean, they uh, they grew 5% last year. And actually, if you look at the numbers this year, um, part of it is due to the stronger Danish kroner. The Danish kroner appreciated 15% against the dollar in the last year or so. Right. And so what is a 5% loss in Danish kroner is actually almost a 10% gain in dollar terms. Hmm. So if they were a U.S. company, which they are more than a, a Danish company in terms of sales, yeah. right? We we'd be talking about how it's single-digit growth, but it's still you know healthy ten percent growth. The new CEO that will be coming on in October, I believe, Niels Christensen. Yeah. What do you know about him and and his background uh, in terms of potentially stepping in and and trying to find that next level of growth or that next you know great new idea for for Lego? Well, I wonder. Um, how much of this uh, this kind of turmoil is related to this change at the top? That you know, Denmark is a small country, right. and especially at the top levels of the corporate world, it's a very small country. And so, Jorn V, uh, the current, uh, the the previous CEO before Balipada, you know, he went up through McKinsey. Um, he was very Danish. You know, taught uh, elementary school for a little while. Right. Um, and this new CEO is also an ex-McKinsey guy, um, and Danish. Uh, whereas Balipada didn't British, speak Danish. Right? Yeah, didn't speak Danish. Yeah. Um, was not from the country. And uh, you know, I think in terms of the the patriarch of the family, Kjellkirk Christensen. You know, I don't think that Balipada had that same kind of love for the brand. He was a mm-hmm. manufacturing and supply chain uh, person who did some wonderful things for it. But he was really, a, you know, he saw it as, you know, the flow of pieces through this uh, amazing, intricate production system, not as a way of really, you know, a- enabling the builders of tomorrow, you know, building and supporting uh, uh, the builders of tomorrow. Even though it's it's an international brand, do they see themselves in terms of the company itself as more of a Danish company? And, and you know, you think about the, the, the import that it has to that economy, not necessarily thinking about it as locally. And that's why I, I ask you is, you know, you're talking about the, the CEO prior to Mr. Padia was Danish. Uh, the new CEO will be Danish. Padia was British. They may seemingly have more, uh, not familiarity, but more comfort with having a Dane running the company. 
Yeah, and I think um, this is cultural from two standpoints. Like I was trying to say before, that that it's cultural just because of the the Danish background, right. but it's also cultural in terms of this. Um, you know, and I, I wandered around the world of Lego for five years, so yeah. I've really seen this. But it is cultural in terms of this genuine um, concern, care for you know, desire to um, provide a really positive play experience for young children. Uh, as you mentioned, you did a, a book about Lego, brick by brick. Um, my, I guess, my question is, do they try and advance into the digital world? I mean, Lego success is, I mean, is touch and feel with the product that they that they sell in the store. Obviously, they're in the digital world with the properties, the movies, and stuff that they've done like that. But you see more and more building games that are online. I mean, how much can they get into that realm, or do they want to get into that realm? Yeah, and we've talked about this before. Um, I, I think that that may be the root of what we're seeing here, uh, that Lego, you know, in my book, in, the, in Brick by Brick, the failure chapter was about their efforts to uh, create an online a multiplayer game yep. uh, around Lego, a building game. And it just took so much effort and so much time, and it wasn't that fun. And it also pushed the technology beyond what was available. But if you look now at their current major pushes, their toy themes, one of them is Nexo Knights, and their key thing for that, the, the, the differentiating thing they were trying to do differently, was an app, you know, a smartphone hmm. or iPad app. Yeah. And so you'd play with the characters, but then you'd also... Um, take pictures of them, and if you got enough, I don't quite know how it worked, but you'd use the app to enhance the play experience. Right. Um, I don't see a lot of uptake on that. In fact, you know, they're not offering a Nexo Knights movie. They're offering a Ninjago movie, right. which had a little spinner and a game and, you know, all kinds <laughs> of, and a cartoon show related to it. But the other thing that they're putting a lot of attention to is Lego Life, which is kind of an Instagram-like thing. And, and so kids can register for this, and they can take pictures of their creations, and they can um, uh, they get building challenges, and they can share with friends. And that tends to be a really time-consuming and expensive proposition, uh-huh. right? Because Lego cares very much about the brand, and any time you have this kind of online community, you have to worry about all kinds of negative things. I mean, of course, yeah. there's the predators and things like that. Yep. Yep. But there's also, you know, kids will build things like, you know, parts of the male anatomy. I mean, kids, you yeah. know, that, that just happens. <laughs> and adults will build it too, right? And so um, they Lego has to spend a lot of time just looking at every creation to make sure that it, it's, it's something that Lego can post. One of the interesting things that, that uh, Lego has become involved in recently, and it, it, we've seen it here in the Philadelphia suburbs, is that they've taken out space in one of the malls around here to have a kind of a, a, a life experience, a Lego life experience, where you can go in and, and, and build things and see things. And I, I found that as an interesting type of partnership to have when we're talking about a time frame where malls are seemingly having issues trying to draw people. I, I don't know how successful that property has been, but it's very interesting that that whether it be Lego or a branch off of Lego, decided to go in that route to look to find growth. And have you, have you taken your son to it? I haven't yet. Okay. I haven't. And he, has he asked you to? He, they asked me one time early on. Uh-huh. We've been so busy, we haven't gotten back to it. So I've heard some good things from parents when they go there, but you wonder if it's something that that you would want to go back to over and over again. 
Yeah, and uh, I, I just think it's a wonderful experiment that nobody's talking about, right? Yeah. You, um, so, you know, a Macy's or a Sears or a JCPenney closes, yeah. you've got that huge empty space. Yeah. What do you do with it? Lego walks in and says, well, you know, we'll take We'll take it from you. We're not going to pay that same you sure. know, yep. dollars per square foot that Macy's or Sears did. But by the way, we'll bring lots of traffic, and we'll bring it during the day when moms want to take their toddlers. Yeah. And so we'll bring foot traffic to your mall, and uh, and they go into the second or third tier mall space, and uh, and they sell um, uh, entry fees at twenty dollars a head. Yeah. And then you walk out through a store, a Lego store, and. I don't think many pa- parents escape <laughs> that unscathed, right? right? That's right. So it ends up, so it ends up being a 60 or 70 dollar trip yeah. for the parent. Yeah. But I'll tell you, you know what may be the um uh the big reason that we might see the end of this string is that you know, you look at the cost of these Lego sets. Um so, you know, $100 these days buys yeah. you a fire station or a police station or a prison in the Lego City line yeah. or or kind of a middle of the road Star Wars set. Yep. It'll buy you a pretty nice drone, you yeah, know. I mean, true, a, a yeah. smartphone-controlled drone. So, yeah. you know, I think that if your kid is five or six or seven, you're probably going for the police station or the fire truck. But Lego used to last until eight or nine. Yeah. But I, you know, I got to think that your son Hutch is probably thinking, well, okay, I could have the, you know, the Star Wars toys, or I could have this really cool Star Wars drone, yeah. you know, which I saw the other day in Staples for about the same price. He hasn't gotten to the Star Wars drone yet, thank God. But <laughs> you, it's, you're, a, it's but, in your future, Dan. I know it is. But you are exactly right in terms of the the price points of a lot of these Lego items that are out there. And, you know, some of the bigger Star Wars Lego items, whether, you know, the, the different aircraft that were in the movie, those are like $89, $99 a pop. And, and that's a hard thing for, you know, a parent to buy, whereas some of the smaller ones are, you know, $17, $25, $30. It's a more palatable experience. So I guess the price point is going to be something to be to be watchful for. And it's hard when you're talking about Star Wars because you're buying in. You have to buy in and pay them for the rights to be able to do it. Yeah, right. I mean, Lego, they pay a buck a pound for ABS plastic, and they sell it to us for 50 bucks a pound, give or take. And the thing is, the the, uh, alternatives, um, the Dream Builder, for example— those are pretty good now. I yeah. mean, it used to be that the other blocks that would snap together with Lego were noticeably lower quality. Yeah. I think that's changed. They're getting better. Best Lock is pretty good. Dream Builder is pretty good. You know, those bricks are made with tighter tolerances now. It used to be that they'd kind of fall apart or you'd stick them together and never get them apart. But right. that's changing now. So seeing the other brands develop, I, I mean, having Lego develop their own, it ends up being maybe the key component here moving forward for Lego instead of just relying on the success that they that they, I mean obviously having the success every time a Star Wars movie comes out is great and there's going to be another Frozen movie coming out I think next year so they're going to they're going to make money off of that but if they can build their other brands in association with that they've just expanded their operation exponentially and they can they can have whatever marginal growth you can have going forward instead of falling back significantly. Yeah, I'm not convinced. I, I think okay. there's only so much growth in that. Um, okay. And and the growth that there is going to be is going to be in China and India, where right. the margins, I think, are going to be lower and the, the, the sales price is going to be lower. I, I think the path forward for Lego is, uh, and I think the customers are telling them this, um, 
loudly and clearly, is more like Disney than it is like Nintendo, right? right. That it is going to be more like these experiences, this Lego Discovery Center, the theme parks, yeah. um, the movies, you know, and I think we're seeing that, although I think we're, they're giving a lot of the revenue from those to partners, right? So yeah. the movies are done by Warner Brothers. I'm sure they're getting a nice profit from that. Legoland in Florida has got to be run by a uh, by an amusement park operator, I would think. Well, and the Discovery Centers yeah. are both run by Merlin Entertainment. Yeah. Um, so they're sharing that revenue. So the growth stuff, uh, they're sharing the revenue with outside partners to a significant instant, extent. You mentioned China and India uh, as two of the growth areas. Uh, are, is the growth there in those two locations because of the numbers of people, or is there a, still a relatively uh, bit of freshness, newness to what Lego is and that experience in those countries? What the CEO said is that you know once once uh, once parents get to a certain level of income, middle class by Western standards, mm-hmm. um, they buy Lego for their kids. And you know in China there there is this view of. You know, if you're at a certain income level, you don't buy the fakes, right? That, sure. that That's yeah. a status thing. You yeah. buy the real Gucci bags. You buy the real Lego. You buy the real et cetera, et cetera. You don't buy the fakes. Uh, we're talking with Dave Robertson, uh, who is a senior lecturer at MIT, lecturer here at the Wharton School and host of Innovation Navigation here on Sirius XM 111 every Tuesday morning. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I guess the interesting thing you mentioned about the numbers is that you have so much growth over you know, a five-year, seven-year period of, of time with what Lego did, even 5% incremental growth in, in this day and age is unfortunately seen as a negative when realistically, as long as you continue to build off of that unbelievable growth, I think you're doing, you're doing very good things. You're doing very good work. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, I think that it's uh, just like the trouble they got into in the late, in the 90s. Right, they'd had a 15-year period of 14% annual growth from 78 to 93, and then all of a sudden there was the rise of the digital, right, of Nintendo and and uh, PlayStation, and then later Xbox, and all of a sudden kids were moving to other types of play experiences. Um, We may be seeing the same thing now. I mean, I think of myself as a geek dad. I mean, I I got all the geeky stuff from my my son and daughter. And, you know, they, they just – another big expensive toy that they introduced was Lego Boost. Um, hmm, so, I hadn't heard that one. Yeah. So they've always had uh, – for quite a long time, since uh, the late 90s, they've had uh, Lego Mindstorms, which is their high-end robotics kit and can do okay. really significant stuff. And there's a, a first Lego League competition every year. And hmm. so schools buy the kits. And, you know, that's very well established as a, a way as, – as an entry-level robotics platform. Right. Um, they – introduced a lower cost one called Lego Boost, which has to be kind of cannibalizing the the Lego Mindstorms. Okay. Um, but it's still not cheap. It's $160 for the basic kit. And, you know, you think about what you can get now for $10. Yeah. You know, for $10, you can get a Raspberry Pi. Yeah. You can program it with a simple visual language called Scratch. Yeah. And then you strap a couple sensors and motors to it. And for, you know, 30 bucks, you can do something pretty cool with it. And you can t- teach kids to program more so than with Lego Boost. Lego Boost isn't really that good a programming environment. They kind of oversimplified it to bring it down to a younger level. So where is, so where is Lego's area to innovate then? If, yeah. they're, if they're going to I, innovate, 
renovate and yeah. truly make a change. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the properties you said are, are, are important. I mean, I don't know if we're going to see a, a string of, of Lego fast food restaurants coming up here <laughs> no. anytime soon to take no. on McDonald's and Burger King. But yeah. where, where, where are the other areas, then, that they may need to look at? Yeah, so... Um you know, I looked at the at the sales growth over the last decade, and you know, I, I hadn't really looked at it year by year. Mm. Um, but what I noticed is, so uh, I'll go from 2008 up till last full year: 19 percent, then 22 percent, then 37 percent, and then 17 percent, 23 percent, and 10 percent, right? And 13 percent, and then they had 25 percent from 2014 to 2015, and then six percent last year. So, hmm. you know, it's been a pretty healthy kind of 20% average growth, yeah. but it hasn't been, it's been a little cyclical. And, you know, when you have your major efforts that you're putting in around um, uh, Nexo Nights with this app, which I think just didn't work, right? Yeah. It was a nice experiment that didn't work. And then you've got Lego Boost and you've got Lego Life that's sucking up a lot of time. And, you know, another major play theme that they've had, they've got 24 different toys around Minecraft, yeah, and yeah. I can't, I can't see that. I mean, I got to think that that draws kids to Minecraft, right? Oh, my, <laughs> it takes them away from Lego rather than toward it. My son is is buried in Minecraft right now. But does he, he like the it. Lego toy? He still does like Lego toys. No, but... no. But does he like the Lego Minecraft? No, toy? no. Uh-uh. Okay, regular yeah. Minecraft. I, yeah. I bet that hasn't done that well. And so some of this is just. They've made some bad bets, right? I mean, kids are hard to predict, yeah. and they've they've come up with some play themes that kids didn't like. And, you know, if they get another good uh, play theme coming out next year, all of a sudden we can start to see double-digit growth again. But I don't think they're going to get it from the digital. I mean, I yeah. think this year is an example of how uh, they just are not able to do digital. And I don't think that's a, a failure in creativity. Right. I think that's a limitation of the brand. That fundamentally, as parents, we buy Lego because we're sick of our kids always wanting to go online. <laughs> that's right. And, yes. it, and it lets them do something physical yeah. that is really good for you know fine motor skills and yep. 3D spatial realization yep. and you know creative construction, all those good things that you know I haven't seen studies about it, but I'm sure it can't be bad for kids. The, right? But but you know it's funny and going back to the experience of my son is that sure he loves the Star Wars stuff, but he loves the police station or the, you know, the the, the lifeguard one. You, you know, I mean, there are so many different ones that aren't necessarily branded with a big franchise that still do pretty well, I would think. And again, just like you said, it's that touch, you know, of being able to build, which a lot of parents, I think, uh, have to see the benefits of instead of, you know, having your kids sitting in front of a uh, in front of a computer or on an iPad and playing Minecraft all the time. Yeah, but you know, I'll tell you a, a traumatic uh, period in my life. I don't think it'll affect you as much. But my son was uh, thirteen or t- twelve, I think he was, right. and he invited over a new friend that he hadn't met before, and he hid his Lego. Huh. And you know, really? <laughs> yeah. So as you can imagine, you know, my worried kids, about theft. My no, my kids never suffered from a lack of Lego. I mean, yeah. they, they they always had a lot of it. But he just thought, oh, this is a kid's toy, and you know, oh, I don't okay. want my first impression to be okay. of somebody that plays with kids' toys. And so at some point, 
you're going to go through the same thing with your son, that yeah. he's going to put away his toys because they're kids' toys. Yeah. And my question, my the thing that I'm interested in is, is that age happening younger now because there's so many cool things for eight-year-olds sure. and nine-year-olds yeah. that, that there weren't there even five years ago, these drones and Raspberry Pi and Arduino and yeah. all kinds of cool robotic stuff. I mean, uh, I, I just wonder whether we're starting to see a shift in fundamental play uh, play preferences. 844-942-7866 if you'd like to join in. Brian in the Bay Area. Brian, go ahead, sir. Yeah, hi. I, I just want to say I don't think this is at all about uh, kids migrating to digital, and I have a couple of points to make. Number one is that Lego products have been uh, outrageously priced over the last few years, right? So. I'm spending three, four hundred dollars on these Lego sets, and it's just outrageous. And so then, if he doesn't finish it, my son, then it's a real big bummer. Secondly, my son is also a digital kid, and what he does, he'll go on YouTube, he'll find things that can be made with Lego. We actually go to a Lego site called Pick a Brick. He actually goes and tries to pick these bricks, and basically, uh, it's an incredible experience. Except that it's taken like six weeks to deliver it. It's very hard to find this Pick a Brick. And uh, and so, you know, what what I think is the case is a lot of strategic sort of incompetence, if you will. They're not kind of listening to customers and working hard to understand what's happening. There's actually a great play pattern here where kids are on YouTube and then want to go off YouTube. And all they're doing is basically the branding and licensing and pricing maneuvers, which are very easy to do, but which are turning off a whole bunch of people to the brand. So that's kind of my main point. This is not about digital behavior. This is about Lego not paying attention to how kids actually want to use their stuff, going first on YouTube, finding something to build, going to pick a brick. I just think it's, it's just a classic kind of missing the, you know, missing the mark, and I, I don't understand it. Yeah, Brian, and, you know, there's, a, uh, there's another thing um, that you can do, which is uh, there's something called BrickLink, which is kind of eBay for parts. Uh, and there's this really <laughs> robust um, uh, market out there, which is much lower priced than Pick a Brick, um, much faster. These people are really responsive. And you can basically get whatever you want for, for really cheap, really fast. And so people, you know... It, there's, uh, I'm sure, every day uh, somebody takes those buckets of Lego they have in the attic and and wonders what to do with them. And there's this market for, you know, I'll buy that bucket, and then people sort it. And then if you want the yellow two by four brick, you know, you can order a thousand of them, which I happened to just do yesterday. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, I think we're also seeing that threat too, which is that you know people can start to offer their own sets. Um, and there's actually there's a there's a company. Uh, out there called Play, it's P-L-E-Y, and they rent Lego. Um, so if you want to oh, just God. kind of get a get a set, it's it's that old Netflix model before they went streaming, where you can get as many sets as you want at a time, and you keep it as long as you want, and then you return it and get the next one. And um, But they started to offer their own sets. So they just had enough pieces left over and, and got, got pieces and created their own sets and then started renting those out. Uh, and so oh. it's a, it, it's it's an interesting time for Lego. Brian, thanks very much for the call. I, I guess the interesting piece to that is is the fact that, uh, you know, when you're building a Lego Star Wars thing or you've built a, a Lego Disney princess item, whatever it might be, you've built it and you may play with it for a little while, but you you lose you lose the interest in it. And I, I think you, a lot of parents would like to see things that 
the parents or I should say the, the kids can have the interest in not only just in, in the interim of the build, but long after, you know, the, the build is. And, and maybe that's something that, that Lego needs to look at. Yeah. And, you know, I think we haven't even seen the big existential threat to Lego, which is um, as 3D printers continue to decline in cost and increase in quality sure. and speed yeah. yep. um, and the materials start to change and evolve, um, you're now getting to something where with something like a Form 1 printer and a particular type of filament, you can actually get to something pretty Lego-like yeah. um, and you can print it out. And I'm surprised... Well, actually, I've seen I've seen an experiment with this, but I'm surprised it hasn't taken off. Where you just get a basic bunch of bricks, and then you get a bunch of uh, things you can manipulate in three dimensions, yeah. and a low end 3D printer, and you get this whole kit for the price of the new Millennium Falcon, where you can make whatever you want. You build yeah. the base out of the bricks, and then you add some kind of cool shape to the top of it that, that you've 3D printed. It's going to be very interesting to see what their what their numbers are coming out the next few quarters to see mm. you know where their where their growth lies or if the revenue is continuing to pull back. Great seeing you, Dave. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. You got it. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 